Hey, this is Sherman Thomas, and you're listening to the Kingdom Talk Ministries podcast. Hope this message inspires you and blesses you. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, let today be that day. Enjoy the message. In your Bibles, the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 5. I want to uh, read some verses there, 1 through 9 for uh, connection, but I think we go through to uh, 17. Amen. The word reads, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In those lay a great multitude of impotent folks, of blind, called whither, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, knew that he had now, he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Will thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another stepped or stepped down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. Let us pray. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this great time that you've spent in your presence. Thank you for uh, guiding us in our praying, in our singing, and in all that we do, Lord, we just want to thank you. And now as we open your word, we pray that our hearts will be open to truth, that you will use your word to speak to our hearts, and grant each of us receptive hearts that we'll be able to receive what you have for us today. We give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have been looking at Jesus as he is manifested in the Gospel according to John and today we want to look at his authority over life. Hmm. We started out in this narrative looking at Jesus, that he was in Judea. We said that the country of Palestine was divided into three. There was Judea to the south, uh, there was Samaria in the middle, and there was Galilee to the north, or Nazareth. Uh, Jesus was in Judea preaching, and his disciples were baptizing. And when the Pharisees realized that Jesus' disciples had baptized more than John, they started some commotion. They wanted to use that to undermine John's ministry. And Jesus would have none of it. 
For he said, of all those that are born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus would not fall into their trap. So Jesus decided to leave. So he left Judea out of necessity. We saw that leaving from Judea to Galilee, the Jews, they carved a road around Samaria. That they would not walk through Samaria because we know the story of the Samaritans. But Jesus decided that he must go through Samaria. Because there was a mission. He had an appointment, a divine appointment with the lady at the well. Mm. And so he had to pass through Samaria. And after ministering to the lady, Jesus went into Galilee. And the Bible says, he arrived in Cana of Galilee. And when word went out that he was there, a nobleman came to him. And said that his son was sick. And he wanted Jesus to go with him to heal his son. And Jesus said, Amen. If, if you guys don't see miracles, you're not going to believe. And Jesus said, or the man said to Jesus, Sir, my son is sick, he's dying. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son live. And the man believed the word of Jesus and he left. And on his way home, his servant came to meet him with the good news. That his son was healed. And the man asked the servant, well, what time did that happen? And they gave the man a specific time, and the Bible says the man knew that it was that same moment, that same hour, when Jesus said, go home, your son is healed. And the man believed on Jesus, and he became an evangelist, and somebody say amen, for his whole house, everybody, amen, believed on Jesus, and we said when when we talk about believing on Jesus, we're not talking about believing in some historical fact that he existed. Amen. But believing that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and that they cast the weight of their soul upon him for salvation. Can I get an amen? amen. Hmm. But now our text tells us that there was a feast in Jerusalem. Mm. And it is believed that this feast was what is known as the Feast of Obligation. One of the three. There was the Passover. There was the Feast of Tabernacle. And then there was Pentecost. Those were the three feasts of obligation. They are called the Feast of Obligation because every male Jew who lived within 20 miles of Jerusalem was mandated by the law to attend those feasts. Uh, no way out. Once you live 20 miles, within a 20 mile radius, it's mandatory that you attend these feasts. And so the Bible said there was a feast at Jerusalem and Jesus went. Can somebody say amen? Mm. The Bible paints for us a picture as, in, as if it were a moving scene. That as Jesus arrived at Jerusalem, the first theme was that there were the diseased and the ill, sick folk. It's a picture of the world's desperate need for the Savior. The second scene is a, that of a man, picture of Jesus' power to meet every individual's need. And I pause to say that it does not matter where you are in life, Jesus is familiar with your circumstance. Yeah. 
Jesus is familiar with your situation. It does not matter what. Sometimes they are of such that we are not comfortable sharing them with anybody. Understand this. That is well familiar. Whatever it is. For there is nothing that is hidden from him. Can somebody say amen? Then in this scene we also see the Pharisees, the religionists, as we move further. This is a picture of dead religion trying to heal the world's sickness with a bunch of rules and a bunch of ceremonies, a bunch of do's and don'ts, but they lack the Savior. Then we saw Jesus afterward and the man that was healed. That's a picture of the believer's responsibility. Then last of all in this scene, we see the religionists as they attacked Jesus. So Jesus went to the feast at Jerusalem. One of the feasts of obligation. And it gave him the setting. It gave him the opportunity to reach a large number of people. Because the people who had gathered there for the feast would have been godly people who have their minds already set on God. Amen. So they would have been very receptive to the teaching of the gospel. <clears throat> The first scene that we see here is that of the need. The Bible says that as Jesus looked, he saw a great number of people. Mm. That at the sheep market there was a pool, and some speculate whether it was a sheep stall or a sheep gate or what it was. That's beside the point. There was a pool there. And it's interesting how the human mind works. As I thought about this pool, my mind went back to growing up and a few uh, generations prior to, to us. They had these large estates and they raised a lot of animals and they would have built these large cisterns like ponds but they were above ground and they built them to give the animals water but what they would do they would build what they call little traps attached to the cistern and those traps were like the size of a bath tub the same height and then they would draw the water from that big cistern and pour in those straw for the cows, the horses, the donkeys, whatever, to drink. The idea is the same here. Because every man within the 20 mile radius of Jerusalem was required to attend the feast, not everybody could have traveled that distance with animals. Am I talking to us? So there was a sheep market where people could have bought animals for the feast. Are you with me? And so those animals are there and those animals need water. But the Bible goes further to say that not only were the animals there, but the, the, the pool had five porches. And a great number of people would have sat there. They provided some sort of shade for the people. Oh, Lord. But then it became a place where sick folks gathered. Mm. Sick folks would come together for the moving of the water. And it was said that an angel would come down at a certain time of the year, a certain season, and they would trouble the water. 
that at a certain time the water would bubble and the believe is that the angel is swimming around and can you imagine the rush to go in? Because whoever gets in first will be healed. Whatever disease they have, they will be healed. That's, that's the record, that's the story that we have, that whoever gets in first. And I surmise that that being the case, there would have been people who were not too, too sick. Am I talking to us? That would have gotten in ahead of those who are really, really sick. That this man was in that condition because he had nobody to help him. And so he was there for 38 years. Can you imagine that? Being in that one place there for 38 years. And once a year, somebody is ahead of you. Every, every year. For he said to Jesus, as soon as I would step down, somebody went ahead of me. Just think about it for a moment. Nobody had compassion to say, well, this crippled guy here, he needs it more than me for right now. Let's, let me give him a chance this year. Other people who would have come by with a gallery say, well, let this be his turn. He's been here long enough. Let's give him a chance. But he was there for 38 long years. And every time that he felt, no man, this is my time. Can you imagine how his hope would have built up and said, well, this is going to be my time. My time, I believe after a while, he just was just there because you've tried so many times. So that when Jesus came and asked him the question, he didn't answer the question. But Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? That should have been an emphatic, yes, sir. But then he was so programmed his mind was so bent to his condition that his response was, Sir, I have nobody to put me in the water. That wasn't the question, really. The question was not, do you have anybody to help you? It was a straightforward question. Amen. Do you want to be well? Now we today would get theological and get off and redefining why he answered the way he did and all of those things because we do that from time to time but Jesus would have none of that do you want to be well he says sir I have nobody to help me do you want to be well Jesus said to him rise up Take up your bed and walk. Man, can you imagine? 38 years the man had been there. Nobody cared about him. Nobody even, uh, you know, considered him because he was there in this situation. And let me just say that it is, it is, it is my belief that this man was the cause of his problem. Oh God, God, how can you say that? How can you say that? I believe that there was something in his life that caused him to be in his predicament. Uh, when Jesus healed him and Jesus and as the story continued, he met Jesus again, and Jesus says to him, Go and sin no more. Oh, you read that. Lest something worse come upon you. Oh, boy. This man may have been somehow irresponsible in life, but I, I love the word that says God 
is a very present help in trouble. And I add, even when we cause the trouble upon ourselves, he's still a very present help. Oh, Lord. You know, we, we, we tend to look at people and say, well, they are in that situation because of what they did. If they didn't do this, then this would not have happened to them. God is a very present help in trouble, even if you cause your own trouble. Huh. Because Job said, what about us? Man that is born of a woman is full of trouble. Sometimes we not only cause trouble for others, but we cause trouble for ourselves. Can somebody say amen? We're full of trouble. And trouble is all around us. Jesus said to the man, go and sin no more. Lest something worse come upon you. Wow. Just as he dealt with the lady that the Pharisees, the Jews brought to him and said that she was taking the very act of adultery and Jesus was there writing on the ground and the Bible says when he was through writing and we all speculate what he was writing, we don't know. But when he rose up, none of those who brought the woman to him was there. And Jesus says to her, Lady, where, where, where are your accusers? See, they're all gone, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. But go and what? And sin no more. That is, when, when Jesus sets us free from the bondage of sin, he wants us to live a life free of sin. Can somebody say that? I need to say that again. When Jesus sets us free from sin, he wants us to live a life above sin. And so Paul cautions, Paul admonishes, he said, do not let sin have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but you're under grace instead. Can somebody say amen? Does that mean that we always do everything right? Absolutely not. Does not mean that we are perfect about sin? Absolutely not. The Bible does not teach that. But we have a heart, we have a mind, we have a desire to please the Lord. Amen. And we make it our aim, we make it our business, we make it our desire to please the Lord in whatever we do. Are you still with me? Come back here to the sheep market for a moment. The Bible says there were the blind who could not see, there were the lame who could not walk, and there were the withered, those who were deformed, those who were paralyzed. This is a picture of our world. Spiritually, this is how God sees the world. And this is how, as Christians, we are to see the world. That people do not come to Jesus because they are blind and cannot see. People live the way they live in sin because they are lame and they cannot walk. People live the way they live because they are paralyzed. Some started out walking, but situation came up, and they are paralyzed. And we need to have that mind of Christ where we reach out to them in compassion. Can somebody say amen? That we do not allow ourselves to develop that judgmental spirit. Where we just go about condemning everybody. But that we begin to see people. Amen who are in need of God's compassion. Some started out and they got discouraged by all different kinds of issues. Because sometimes as God's children we mess up. And sometimes that sister, that brother, just started looking in the wrong direction by looking at people instead of looking onto Jesus. And because they look at people they get discouraged. 
and they become paralyzed, they become lame. Mm. And spiritually, they're not able to do what God would, would have them to do. They're not able to serve God in the manner that God would have them to. We, amen, who are, the Bible says, the light of the world, we are to shine. Can somebody say amen? In the darkness of sin, not being there to condemn anybody. We're there to encourage and to lift them up. To let them know that there is still hope. Amen. There is still hope that Jesus Christ offers hope. No matter what your situation is, no matter where you are in life, Jesus is familiar with your circumstance. Just as he knew that this man had been there for 38 years, Jesus knows how long you have been struggling in your situation. Jesus knows how long you've been dealing with your problems. Jesus knows how long you've been dealing with your issues. And not only does he know, but he cares. He cares about you. He cares about your situation. He cares about your life. He wants to make you whole. He wants to deliver you from whatever it is that is holding you back. He knows and he cares. And so Jesus was not in the business of condemning anybody. He was not in the business of destroying anybody. The Bible talks about uh, James and John, the sons of thunder. They, uh, these guys, when they just came to Jesus, they were rough and sharp and judgmental and uh, ready to condemn. And so they were on a journey one day and uh, they had to ask permission to pass through one of the Samaritan towns. And the Samaritans said, no, we don't want you Jews to pass through all town. And the word went back to Jesus that they did not allow them to pass through. And these guys said, Lord, let's just call fire down from heaven and consume them. Jesus said, you don't know the kind of spirit that you're of. That's not the right spirit. He said, the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but he has come to save them. Can somebody say amen? That no matter where you are and what your situation is, the Son of Man is not come to destroy you, but he has come to save you, to rescue you, to take you out of that rock that you're in, to set you back on your way. Amen. To restore that joy in your heart. Can somebody say amen? To, to put amen. Movements in your step. To cause your feet to dance again. Amen. He's not come to destroy man's life. But he came to save them. And this is demonstrated. In his dealing with this crippled man. Man who have been in a situation for so many, so many years. And I do know that at times, even as God's children, we find ourselves in situations. We find ourselves in certain circumstances in life where uh, things are not as bright as we had hoped. Can somebody say amen? We, we sometimes get discouraged it's the psalmist that said in Psalm 69, verse 2, he said, I sink in deep water where there is no standing. I am coming to deep waters where the flood overflow me. In 73, 2, the psalmist said, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. So when I thought, to know this, it was too painful for me. The Jews in their Babylonian captivity, they sang and said, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and yes, we wept when we remember Zion. And the Babylonians said, well, why don't you sing us one of those Beautiful songs that you sung in Zion. 
Yes, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? That's how, that's how discouraged they were. They were at the point where they were setting their instrument aside. They were not willing to play anymore. Can I, can I get an amen in the Lord's house? And then I submit to us that there are those among us in the army of the Lord who started out well. Amen. And, and, and you have done well. But for a while you have been resting. And I believe God is saying that for this new year, amen, it is time to arise. It is time to move beyond those boundaries. It is time to rid yourself of those things that are holding you back. Amen. And come back to that place of service where you once were, where you devoted your life. Amen. You devoted your all to the Lord. What a joy. What, what a rejoicing it would be if all of us as God's children come back to that place. And I got to remember the house that as we look ahead in this new year, amen, as 2020 unfolds and all of us would say, I am going to forget. Uh, I'm going myself, and this is the old year message, but I'm going to forget, amen. I'm going to forget all of my struggles. I'm going to forget all of my hindrances, all of my situations, and I am going to move forward in this new year. I'm going to move forward with strength. I'm going to move forward with vigor. I'm going to move forward with determination that I'm going to do my best for the Lord. Amen. Not somebody else's best, but my best. I am going to give the Lord my best. Amen. Regardless of the cost, I'm going to give the Lord my best. I am going to arise. Amen. And I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to give Him my best because God has given his best for me. He has given his only son, the only of his time. He allowed him to die, amen, on a cruel cross like a common criminal so that I can be free. And as a result, I'm going to give the Lord my best. I'm going to devote my life to serve him, amen. And I pray that God would bring all of us back, amen. Amen. Bring back those glory days in our lives. Can I get an amen? When we shared sweet fellowship with the Lord. Amen. amen. We were excited about the things of God. We just want to serve Him. We just want to give Him our best. We just want to give Him our all. Let me say to you, brother and sister, forget about who it is that has tripped you up in your way. Forget about them. And focus on Jesus. Focus on the one who has called you. Focus on it. Let, let nobody hinder you. Amen. Don't look at people. Amen. Look unto Jesus. Amen. And determine in your heart that I am going to give him my all. I am going to give him my best. Because he deserves nothing less. Are you there with me? Mm. They were desperate. The people there were in desperation, just waiting for the moving of the water. Just waiting for that moment when the water would somehow shake. And I would want to bench that even some of those healings were psychosomatic. Uh, they had illnesses, it was all in their minds. Some of them, because they were sick and they, you know, and they think and move and they believe and they were healed. <laughs> mm. But whoever steps into the water, the Bible says, when the angel troubled the water, they were healed of whatever disease they had. Whatever it was, they were healed. People left their healed. But there was this one man. This one man who was there, who Jesus focused on. There were many others, but he focused on this one. He knew that this man had been there for 38 years. He had no friends, he had no family, he had nobody to help him. And I don't know what he did that caused himself to be in the situation that he was in, but he had no friend, he had no family. Nobody to help him. 
Jesus stepped into his life. Jesus stepped into his situation and asked him, do you want to be made whole or do you want to be well? Jesus had compassion. And I believe, brother, sister, that the compassion of Jesus is what we need to fulfill the ministry that the Lord has given us. That same compassion that he had for people in need. We need to start praying more earnestly. Lord, give me a heart of compassion. Because with a compassionate heart, we are not going to just see people or we're not going to judge them but we are going to see them as they are see them in their needs see them in their crisis see them in their situation and at times shed tears with and for them when we cannot help them mm. Jesus sees and Jesus knows every condition that every man is in, even at this very moment. Now I move on because in this story, we see the attitude of the religious people. Mm. For when they saw the man carrying his bed, when they saw the crippled man, and they knew him. When they saw him, instead of rejoicing that the man was healed, they asked him, who is it that authorized you to be carrying your bed on the Sabbath? Who gave you that authority to break the Sabbath? You should sure have been there lying down where you were. It's the Sabbath day. That's what you're saying. It's the Sabbath day. They were not concerned about the man's situation. They just saw him as another number, another one of them. But Jesus saw him as an individual with needs. Mm. Understand the Jewish mindset. Understand how they think. The Jews have been in captivity by many powers, many nations. The Babylonian, the Assyrian, the Medes, the Persian. I mean, you, you go on. They've been in captivity. But what has kept them together was first their religion. And we think about their religion we think about particularly the Sabbath day. For God had said to them through Moses, you're going to keep this throughout your generation. And they held on to that as their religion. That's what kept them together no matter where they went. One of the things. The second thing was the language, the Hebrew language. That no matter what, amen, country had them enslaved, they still held on to their language. And their language and their religion kept them all through the years. It was a form of their identity. So they cherished that. And anybody who tried to do anything to go contrary to that, they would have been in trouble with them. As a matter of fact, if you break the Sabbath in certain instances, you could have been stoned to death. That's how valuable it was to them. But you know, human life is more valuable to the Lord. Uh, Jesus valued the human life even more than the Jewish Sabbath. So they asked him, who is it that authorized you to be carrying your bed on the Sabbath day? Jesus, the man said, he didn't really know who he was, but he didn't even know that Jesus was the Messiah. But he told them who he was, that the man who told me to arise, he told me to take up my bed and walk. 
And the Bible says that when they arrived in that place where Jesus was, Jesus disappeared a great crowd was now gathered. So they, they did not really acknowledge and see Jesus at that particular time because they would have taken him on with venom to kill him because he had authorized this man to break the Sabbath day. Jesus said to them, the Jews, you are seeing my father are sitting down, but ever since creation, my father has not ceased working. He's always at work, ever since creation. And because my father worked, I work. But he said, the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. Can somebody say amen? But Jesus is demonstrating his authority. Amen. That he has authority over human life. But he also has authority over worship. Mm. He has authority over worship. He said to the lady at the well in Samaria, he said, listen, you worship, you don't know what you're worshiping. Salvation is of the Jews. But he said the true worshiper, they're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. And then he said, the Father seeks such. The Father is seeking such who would worship him in spirit and in truth. But Jesus saw this man that he was helpless in a situation. And he demonstrated his power. For the Bible says in Luke 137, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Mm. Nothing shall be impossible with God. But then, it also says to us in James chapter 2, verse 17, that faith, if it has no works, is dead. Being alone. So if we are going to experience God in our lives, if we are going to see the move of God in our lives, then not only do we have to or need to believe, but we need to act, we need to do. Amen. When Jesus said to the man, take up your bed and walk, amen, he had to do something. He had to get up, he had to put his faith into action. Amen. For you to work. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. You lie on this and like that, take it up. We would have never walked. Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And he obeyed. He got up. After being there for 38 years, he took up his bed, and he walked. Amen. There was no life in his steps again. Amen. He was able to move. Something he had not done for 38 years. Jesus showed up on the scene. Jesus showed up in his life. Amen. And this man was now able to walk. He was able to take up his bed. Amen. And he was able to walk. Mm. This miracle Jesus performed. Amen. This miracle Jesus performed at this feast in Jerusalem. And he caused the people who were against him, the religious authorities, to be even more against him because of the fact that it was done on the Sabbath day. But Jesus, although The Jews cherished their Sabbath. Jesus knew their heart. And on one occasion he asked them, he said, now you guys are saying that I'm breaking the Sabbath. But he asked them, which one of you have a donkey or an, or an animal for that matter that falls in a pit on the Sabbath day that he would go and rescue him? And none of them could answer because they all would. Follow this reason. They put the life of their animal above human life. 
because they would have rescued their animal on the Sabbath day and they felt justified in doing so. But here Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day and they are condemning him for doing so when they would have you animal lovers here, you love your animal to death. But I think sometimes we take it overboard. And we put animal life in the state above human life. We are the cream of God's creation. We are at the top. Animals are down there. Now the Bible says a righteous man treats his animals well. Can I get an amen? So righteous people don't abuse animals. Say amen in the house. Righteous people don't abuse animals. Now, abusing animals does not mean that we don't eat them. Because people take that to the extreme now. It's abusive. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about taking care of animals. Amen. But they put animal life above human life. People say, oh, this is a part of our family. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's fine, okay? That, that's alright, it's part of your family, it's okay. It's okay, but the point that I'm simply making is that, amen, human life is about animal life. A brother, pastor, uh, called me the other day, secretary, and he was so mad. See the people driving down with a dog in the front seat and and you know, and the dog head out and thing, and it, it annoyed him so much that uh, you know he called me. Always called me to vent. You know, anything that he called me, the vendor man, how crazy America is getting. Say, hope you don't bring that down in the island. They say it's already here. <laughs> <laughs> but the Jews, in this respect, would have put the life of their animal above this man, of this man's welfare, amen, because they, amen, murmured at Jesus and decided to kill him because he healed a man on the Sabbath day. But then after Jesus met up back with the man, amen, this is a sign of growing in our relationship with the Lord. Jesus did not want initially to attract any crowd at the time. But he wanted to minister to this man and he met up back with him. Amen. And this is where he counseled him, he advised him. They don't sin anymore. Don't go back to the old way of life that caused you to be crippled in the first place. Don't go back to that. Now you are free. Amen. And the words of who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Amen. If the Son sets you free, then you are free. Jesus healed. Jesus restored this man. Now I know people will always remember him as a cripple. Amen. But he's no more a cripple. I know you who God has transformed, people always remember you and what your life was like before. And, but that's not important anymore. Jesus has now transformed you. And then you need to remain transformed. Can I get an amen? Not to go back to those things. Amen. But to stay in the Bible said to walk in newness of life. That if the Son sets you free, then you're free indeed. And if the sun sets you free, then you need to live a free life. Mm. Jesus rescued this man. And he demonstrated that he has authority, amen, over life. For he says, as the Father has life in himself, so has he given the Son to have life in himself. So as the Father gives life, amen. The Son also gives life. He's offering life today to whosoever will. If you are in this house and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you do not know him as your Savior, you do not know him as your Lord, 
He wants to enter into a covenant relationship with you. But it is you now who have to respond. So if you confess with your mouth, Paul says, the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And today, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter how well or how hard life you've treated you, amen, you can know Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. For he said, none that come to him will he ever cast out. If you're looking for a change of life, you are not comfortable the way it is and you want something better for the coming year, I invite you and I introduce you to Jesus who is the Christ, the Savior of the world, that he has transformed my life and if you would allow him, he can transform yours also and make it better for his glory for his son, for your joy, for your benefit. Let us all hearts in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the truth of your word. It is your promise that it is not going to return to you void but it's going to accomplish the things that please you and prosper in the hearts and lives of people. And we thank you, Father, and we praise you for this good word. I pray that today would be a day when somebody would realize their need for the Savior. And they would say, Jesus, come into my life and save me. Oh God, hear our prayer today. Thank you and praise you. Well, thank you for listening to today's sermon on Kingdom Talk Ministries podcast. For more information, or if you'd like to reach out to us, you can email us at kingdomtalkministry at gmail.com. Do have yourself a blessed day.